All righty. Well, this year, as Pastor Joe spoke on last week, we'll be studying the book of Romans in its entirety. And Joe introduced it, and if you missed it, man, I encourage you to go back and listen to his introduction of Romans from last week, because we're really going to be diving right in uh, this morning. And we're going to be beginning in Romans chapter 12, because this is a chapter on Christian living. And it's a great place to start the new year by setting a foundation of a lived faith. And we're going to be doing this throughout the month of January. Um, and we're, we're going to be looking solely at Romans 12, uh, verse 1 this morning. Just, just one verse. Uh, so if you turn there with me in your Bibles, uh, you will find it after Acts, before Corinthians in the New Testament. Um, the Apostle Paul's writing to the Christians in Rome, uh, likely, uh, many think, while he's in Corinth. Um, and this is Paul's big one. Uh, simply put, Romans is an amazing book. It's an amazing book. It's a, a divinely inspired literary and theological masterpiece. Um, and, and just a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, so we'll be spending most of the year probably studying Romans. Uh, we'll kind of see how long it takes us to get through it. But this morning, it's just one verse. Uh, Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, we begin with a therefore, and of course we must see what therefore is therefore, uh, because in actuality, we're at the end of a long teaching about the gospel. The first 11 chapters of Roman, uh, Romans, it's all doctrine. Um, and now beginning in chapter 12, we find the practical application, uh, the therefore of this long discourse. And, and here's, uh, we're going to show on your screen a brief outline of the book of Romans. Uh, and you'll see the first 11 chapters are doctrinal, uh, meaning teachings. Uh, and, and first we see teachings uh, on sin, chapters 1 through 3. And then salvation, chapters 4 to 5. Then sanctification, chapters 6 to 8. Then selection, chapters 9 through 11. And finally, service, chapters 12 through 16. And I like, if you see the subtitles there, uh, first, uh, the first one is understanding the gospel, and then the second, chapters 12 through 16, is living the gospel. And living the gospel is where we're really leaning in this first month. And hopefully you'll ask, what does it mean for me to live like a Christian this year? What does it mean for me to live like a Christian this year? To have integrity in my faith, to be consistent, right? To, to live with the love we had for God when we first came to faith. Man, we, we couldn't get enough. What does it mean for me to live like a Christian this year? What are some things we might need to change? Some habits? Things we want to, this is things we want to meditate on this first month. That's our, that's our New Year's challenge. And, and throughout the month of January, we're going to be having weekly prayer and fast nights on Tuesdays, uh, just like we did beginning in 2020. Um, and, and whether you're able to join us in person or not for these uh, prayer and fasting uh, nights, I, I would encourage you to consider some sort of regular uh, fasting and, and prayer uh, time in January as we just 
orient ourselves towards God as a church family. And this is a great way to start the year, just committed to God, looking to him for where and what he has for us <laughs> this year, where he's taking us and what he has for us. Uh, okay, so before we dive into Romans 12.1, let's briefly look at where Paul left off in Romans 11. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 36. So turn a page back in your Bibles. Uh, beginning in verse 25, lest you be wise in your own sight, Paul writes, lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they, speaking of the Jewish people, we're going to talk more about this as we get into this, uh, but there's some tension between the Jews and the Gentiles in the early church um, at this time. Uh, as regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Paul writes. Now we come to Romans 12.1 to the therefore he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. There it is, Romans 11. We are receivers of God's mercy. We who were disobedient, that's the gospel. So Paul appeals to us by the mercies of God to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So Paul outlines a threefold response to the gospel. The gospel being the mercies of God. Having received that, therefore, one, present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Two, that is holy and acceptable. And three, offering spiritual worship. Now, we'll break down each of these and, and kind of tease out these callings that are just packed with meaning. Now, we're covering one verse this morning from Romans, and we could spend a month on this one verse, but, but we won't because this is just Romans. It, it's meaty, and it, it's densely packed with teaching that can be meditated upon day after day after day. And, and this is why I was, I was drawn to teaching on this this year, but also hesitant to go into it. Uh, but Pastor Joe was like, hey, we can do this. Let's do it, man. So we're doing it. And, and man, am I looking forward to digging into it. Romans is like a ribeye steak. All right, you don't need to add much seasoning to a ribeye steak to get that great savory flavor from it. But you don't woof down a ribeye steak as you would a burger. 
Okay, well, a burger, you, you chow down on that thing, but you can't do that with everybody. You got you to take bite-sized chunks from it. Okay, cut into it, and just get a little bite and savor that little bite you get, and chew it good, and savor that, and, 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 and enjoy it. And man, it's rich in flavor. It's rich in teachings. And now I'm, I'm getting a little bit hungry right now. But, but I hope this is kind of how we approach Romans this year. Uh, so here we go. Today's bite-sized chunk is one verse founded upon the great love and mercy of God and how great the mercy of God is, that he would go so far, that in our disobedience he sent his son. So because of the great love and mercy of God being purchased with his own blood, we therefore, number one, present our bodies as living sacrifices. So what does Paul mean by living sacrifice? Well, sacrifice is not something foreign to the Bible or to our own lives. Unless you're a sociopath, you make sacrifices for those you love on a regular basis. You give up what you desire for the love of somebody else, for the love of another. Although in Scripture, we get an image of sacrifices that are much more costly than preference, than desire, than delayed gratification. Well, yes, part of the sacrificial system is demonstrating loyal love to God above all others. Another aspect of it was the atonement, that difficult subject of sin that is present in our own hearts and often acted upon. Sin demands a price, and that price, the, the wages of sin, is nothing less than death. So part of the sacrificial system was the slaughtering of animals for atonement, for atonement for sin. You would take your prized animal, your spotless lamb without defect, to the altar and slit its throat as it stood in place of you. And the priest would take the blood of the lamb and put it on the horns of the altar. It was a somber event that demanded repentance and reflection of the sinner. And we know this system was put to an end because it was fulfilled on the cross of Calvary. That, that no mere animal was sacrificed, but the incarnate Son of the Most High poured out his blood to cover once and for all the sins of all who came before and all who would come after, whereby no more sacrifice was needed. Now with this in mind... Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Living as opposed to dead. For, for we were redeemed by the cross of Christ. We've been brought from death to life. Another way to say it is that we were purchased. We were ransomed. Now in response, we offer ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. That, that our lives belong to him. Meaning our lives are not our own. So the only proper response is to what? It's to live for God. It's to live for God, to be a living sacrifice, to take up our cross and follow him, as Jesus says, demonstrating to all the love of God poured out for us. So a living sacrifice looks out for the interests of others before their own. A living sacrifice is not haughty or proud, but recognizes that, that yes, they are a child of the most high God, but not by anything they have earned. Not by anything they have accomplished, but what he has accomplished has made them a child of God. So a living sacrifice makes it about him. 
not about themselves. A living sacrifice, contrary, contrary to, to like a cursory definition of a living sacrifice, is not bounded and constrained as under a knife. We're bond servants of Christ as those who are set free and freely choose him. Free from the chains of sin and death. We're free from the chains of, of works and rites and rituals. Free from condemnation and judgment. For we belong to the one and indeed are covered by the one who accomplished in full what we could not. So as we present ourselves as living sacrifices, it is from a heart freely bound to Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life, the way to the Father, the, the way to live, the way to love, to be in relationship that is pure and undefiled and lovely. He's the truth, and we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. He is the life. He is life abundant. He, he is life that satisfies. He is the water that, that wells up to eternal life, that when we drink of him, we will never thirst again. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices, for there's no other proper response. How do we do that? How do we properly do that? Well, Paul says, you do it in a manner that is, number two, holy and acceptable to God. So in order to be a living sacrifice, the only sacrifices acceptable to God were the blameless and spotless ones, the lambs without blemish, meaning for us being spiritually blameless and spotless, living in such a way that's pleasing and acceptable to God. So what does this look like? Well, well, first, first and foremost, Paul says in Romans 5.1, by faith we have been made acceptable to God. By faith we have been made acceptable to God. It, it, it's not anything we've done. It's not anything we, we can earn. It's by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, we've been made acceptable to God. We've we got to remember that. And then also, we must know Romans 14, 17 through 18, Paul again writes, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit by faith alone. But he who serves Christ in righteousness and peace and joy is acceptable to God and approved by men. So we hold these things together. Living rightly, living peaceably, and living joyfully in faith, in faith, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So do you live rightly before God? Do you live rightly before God according to his statutes and decrees on what is right and moral and good? If not, repent. Be done with it today. Ask the Spirit who indwells you for the strength to do so. It's not by our own power, that, that process of sanctification. It comes from God who indwells us. Do you live peaceably with others? Or, or do you cause division? We're in a time where, where division is on the rise. It grows deeper and it grows wider seemingly by the day. May it not be so in the church. May it not be so in our church, in this church. Be, be warned of divisiveness in the body of Christ. Jesus prayed for unity. He prayed that we would be of one mind and one heart. He's called us to unity. So be warned in the love and grace of Christ. Be, be rid of this of a divisiveness. Seek the unity of Christ. 
Seek the grace of Christ. When division increases, may our grace increase for one another. Do you live joyfully? A joy that's founded upon our great and unshakable hope. A joy that is not dependent upon current circumstances, but on our eternal guarantee. So this is why we're, we're called to not give up meeting together. Even if we've you know, had to do it online for a season uh, in order to continue to encourage one another and build one another up, it's so important. This is why we come and worship God together. We need to be reminded of this. We all need the reminder of our joy that's founded in Christ. We almost need this reminder daily, but at least weekly. We need to come together and remind each other of this. It doesn't happen without effort. It happens when we live committed to him. Just like your teeth don't stay healthy if you ignore them. They don't stay bright and clean you know, and happy. No, they rot and they decay uh, unless you give them the proper attention they need. Man. And when you do, then your dentist is pretty happy with you. right? Hey, you've been taking care of, you've been flossing. I can tell. <laughs> okay. Man, you're taking deliberate care of it. It's just like with our faith. So, so if you're like, I don't feel God's joy, man, well, pursue him. Pursue him consistently with, with brothers and sisters who will encourage you and lift you up and remind you of the truths of Scripture. And I tell you, you will feel God's joy. In the book of Nehemiah in chapter 8, all the people gathered to hear the reading from God's word. In verses 8 through 12, we read that they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. So this is an amazing event. All the people gather and they're reading God's law to the people and they're explaining it to people. The priests and the scribes um, and, and the leaders are explaining the scriptures and, and what they meant and what the application is. It's a lot like they're giving a sermon, <laughs> reading the scriptures, explaining it. But this was, it was an all day event where they gathered together and read and read and read and explain and explain and explain. This is what this means. This is, this is what God calls good. This is what he's called us to. Verse 9, we continue on. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept. All the people wept as they heard the words of of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And, and here we go. This is the central verse here we're looking at. He said, Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the, the, the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them about the law of God. So, so look what's happening here. There was a godly sorrow, a godly grief happening from repentant hearts realizing their estrangement from God for their own wickedness. And when we feel sorrow, whether it be a realization of sin or, or, or because of difficult circumstances, we often wonder where our strength is going to come from. 
But it's so vital to remember, as Ezra reminds the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not our joy. It's the joy of the Lord. So, so we cannot somehow conjure up this, this type of joy within ourselves by our own power. It has to come from one source only, the Lord. And we know that God's given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within us. It's the joy of the Lord. Can you even begin to imagine the amount and the purity of the joy of God, the joy that God possesses? And that joy of God involves us. Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. He endured the cross for the joy set before him, a relationship restored with us. And Zephaniah 3.17 says that God rejoices over us with singing. Have you ever thought about that? That God and the angels rejoice over repentant hearts, over his children, over you when you seek relationship with him. This is mind-blowing. So as Christians, those, those belonging to Christ, being found in him, we have access to God's boundless joy. A joy that does not come from our own circumstances, from within ourselves. It does not depend on, on how strong or spiritual we are. This joy comes from God alone and the relationship we have with him. The Apostle Paul is one of the best examples of a joy beyond circumstances. A joy despite being whipped and beaten half to death. Being left for dead by people. They thought he was dead. They left him. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked multiple times. Losing friends. Fleeing from mobs. Chasing them down. Paul had this unshakable uh, joy that, that... Outsiders would probably find ridiculous. It was clearly not founded upon his own circumstances, but found and founded upon God's joy. And that was his strength. That was his strength. So remember, as we seek God's joy in our life, remember Nehemiah 8. When Nehemiah read the words of the law, then the people wept and they mourned because they were not obeying the law. But Ezra comforted them, telling them, to not weep because the joy of the Lord is their strength. It came through hearing God's word preached and explained. It came through understanding his love and being reminded of it. Uh, that's, that's what we're doing now. <laughs> we're being reminded of God's love for us, that our joy is founded in him. And then their joy was realized because even though a knowledge of the truth caused sorrow, it also gave them direction. As Psalm 51, 16 through 17 says, for you do, about, regarding God, it says, for, for God, you do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. This sacrifice, this living sacrifice of a broken and contrite heart is holy and acceptable to God. And then we can go to 2 Corinthians 7.10 and read a little further where Paul writes, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. 
So changing uh, their lives and following God's ways gave them a deeper joy than they could have attained on their own. It's the same for us when we study and know the truth from the source of all wisdom and truth. We then have the joy of the Lord. And notice too, they didn't do it alone. They did it together. The whole people came together and studied and mourned and rejoiced together. That's been hard to do recently. And and if you've been lonely and isolated, I want to encourage you this morning in the love of God and the joy of the Lord that is our strength. I I want to encourage you first to, to go to the Lord and find the strength of his joy. And maybe also pick up the phone and call someone close. Don't wait for them to call you. Call them. Call them up. It's amazing how much even a short conversation can lift our spirits and lift the spirits of somebody else. But caution on that. Don't find the source of your hope, the source of your joy in someone else. For they can't be that for you. Only God can be that source in our lives. So yes, encourage one another. But remember, remember, to encourage each other in the Lord. So I'll ask again, what does it look like for you to live as a Christian this year? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Just start meditating on that this week, throughout this month. Okay, now finally, we come to the third and final exhortation of Paul. First was present ourselves as living sacrifices. Second, being holy and acceptable. And here we go, three, offering spiritual worship. And this is an interesting one because spiritual worship is translated several different ways. Maybe you've got a translation that reads something different this morning. So let's take a look at a, a few different translations to see if this help, helps, us, helps us make better sense of uh, what Paul is talking about here. Uh, we can go to the NIV. The NIV reads, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Uh, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, so instead of spiritual, NIV says true and proper. Interesting. Next, uh, the New King James Version says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or it also notates for us, as rational service. Okay, so that's interesting. Uh, uh, perhaps this is, uh, it's a more literal um, and rigid translation uh, that says reasonable or rational service. Uh, the Greek word used by Paul here is logikos. Logikos, meaning of the word pertaining to uh, speech or speaking and logic and reasoning. Uh, When speaking of spiritual things, it it pertains to the soul and and being agreeable to reason and logical rationality. Uh, This word only appears one other time in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 2, we read, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Uh, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual Logikos, milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. And the, the New American Standard Bible uh, translates this, First Peter 2, verse, as like newborn babies long for the milk, long for the pure milk of the word 
logikos. Right? Isn't that cool? That pure spiritual word of God. Longing for that, the logikos, especially in the midst of, of, of our confusing times. Uh, so much confusion, so many half-truths, so many twisted truths and, and claims of self-rightness or, or feelings and senses of worthlessness and anxiety and depression. Man, I hope that causes us, as we see this, a longing for the logikos, that pure spiritual milk of the word that is not half-true but fully true, showing us simultaneously that we need redemption for we are lacking. But God made a way in his great love for us, and this leads us to repentance and a true freedom, true peace that surpasses understanding, and a joy of God that is our strength. So moving on, uh, the New King James Version says, you know, your, your reasonable service, and you'll, you'll notice talking about uh, this, this word logikos, uh, the translations switch between uh, translating worship here as service or worship. So when used in this way, man, it's interchangeable. Our service of God is our worship of God. Okay, finally, one more translation of this verse. Uh, the New American Standard Bible says it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Which is your spiritual service of worship. And, and the translators note for the readers, uh, next, next to that word translated spiritual, next to logikos, uh, they write, in contrast to offering a literal sacrifice. Again, I find this helpful. This is the drive that Paul is getting at. It's not literally sacrificing animals. It is a spiritual sacrifice, which is being in service to God. That's the sacrifice, which, which our service is reasonable to God. Our service is reasonable and rational. Right? It's, it's not irrational service and unreasonable. Uh, as in, for, for an extreme example, the, the snake handlers in the Appalachian Mountains where, where they have their worship service and they break out the box of poisonous snakes and they start passing those snakes around, man. As, because Jesus said, we'll be bitten by poisonous snakes and we won't be harmed. You know, we saw Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake in the book of Acts. He wasn't harmed. He threw it in the fire. And, and they're like, let's pass around poisonous snakes. Okay, that's irrational and unreasonable service of worship, okay? Uh, and l- likewise, you know, people who, who take hallucinogenics to, to have this spiritual experience, to connect to the spiritual realm. This is also irrational and unreasonable. So what is reasonable and rational service of God and ergo worship? Well, we go full circle here. It is presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is our spiritual, true, and proper, rational, and reasonable service of worship to God. So to help us further understand this, we got to look at uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And we're going to end with this. Colossians 9, 1 through 14. Paul writes again, he says, And so, from the day we heard, so he's writing to this church in Colossae, he said, the day we heard, he was speaking of heard of their faith and their love in Christ, So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This can be summed up in one word, logikos. Be filled with that, all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner 
worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, in the light of Christ. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen and amen. We have been transferred over to the kingdom of God. The the, the pink slip of our lives has been signed over to him. Live in that truth. Live out that truth as living sacrifices. So, So what does it look like for you to live as a Christian this year, consistently and with integrity in all things. Let's meditate and pray on that. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for your all-surpassing love. We thank you for your word, that we may know you, that we may know your goodness and your faithfulness and your love. Father, we thank you for giving us your spirit to empower us to live in a way that's pleasing to you and acceptable to you. God, strengthen us to do so. God, remind us of your joy. Fill us with that that peace that surpasses understanding. May we be a people that demonstrate you in all that we do, in all aspects of our lives. May we live as Christians consistently and faithfully, Lord, in all things. And Lord, if there's an area in our our lives where you're tugging on our hearts right now, uh, God, you know each of our hearts. You know each of our circumstances. So, Father, I, I just pray that, that you would just reveal to each of us the area where you're, you're trying to get our attention and maybe something needs to change. And, Lord, so we, we ask for your strength for that. We ask for your help for that. And we thank you that you're faithful. You're faithful to respond. You're faithful to strengthen. You're, you're faithful to answer our requests. God, especially when we're seeking to live in accordance to your will, more and more and more we stay. And Lord, we know we're not going to get there until we receive our new bodies. Uh, but Lord, we strive, we strive in every action we take, every word we say, uh, to be pleasing to you, to be, to be an acceptable um, and holy sacrifice, God. So uh, may you show us the ways in which you're calling us to serve, maybe, Uh, throughout this year in new ways to love, uh, to care, to encourage each other. Um, And we thank you that we have our unshakable hope and joy in you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.